At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. Amen. You may be seated. We are in Psalm 124. I am super excited about next Sunday service, multi-generational. Can I just encourage you, if you're able to come at 9 or at 12, that would be helpful to the families that will be coming because of naps and other things. So if you are healthy, you're strong, you're going to go to bed at a decent time on Saturday night, uh, please help us out. 9 a.m., 12, there's more room. So uh, we also have overflow, but that will be really helpful. Super excited about that service. We're going to pray for the word as we receive it. Uh, we are in Psalm 124, but we're going to do something a little bit differently. So... Um, I want you to pray with your eyes open, okay? So I've been looking for verses in scripture that tell us to close our eyes when we pray, and I haven't found one. Uh, you can, of course, we can do it. It's just you don't have to do it. But here's why I want you to keep your eyes open, because we're going to pray in part for our group leaders. And our group leaders lift such a heavy weight in our church family. So we're going to show you some pictures of our group leaders. And so as we pray, pray for them, okay? Keep praying. Don't get too distracted like, oh, look at their clothes. Look, where, they, where are they? Don't do that. We're praying okay we are praying but as you see them carry them with you throughout the week okay so let's go to the lord in prayer heavenly father we love you you are so good to us you love us we choose to praise you lord to glorify glorify your name and father we thank you as we've been focusing on church life on sundays but also in our live groups we thank you for our group leaders. We thank you, Father, for their salvation. We praise you, Lord, for their labor of love and faith, for their deep care for your people, how they shepherd them, Lord, time and time again, year after year. Father, I ask you, give them wisdom. Father, to be able to deal in a way that honors you and that blesses people. Father, to be able to deal with the situations in their groups, with the people, with the pain, with the burdens. Father, give them wisdom. I pray you give them friendships, Lord. Give them deep spiritual friends that support them, that encourage them, that come around them, Father. Give them perseverance, Father. Help them not quit. We're not doing this for a season, but for a lifetime. And so I pray, God, that you would strengthen them. Keep them strong, Father. And I pray you protect their families. Oh, Father, protect their families. Keep them healthy, keep them strong, keep the enemy away from them. Father, I pray for us in the groups that we would support the leaders of these groups, Father, that we would come around them, that we would shower them with prayer. Father, that we would make it easy to be led, not difficult, Lord, that we would not take them for granted. They do this because they love you. They do this because they love us. And so, Father, help us uh, just repay by our commitment, God, to the group, to the life that you've called us to together. And, Father, in all of these things, I pray that you'd help us as your people to adorn the gospel. Help us adorn the gospel by how we live, by what we do, God, by the way that we commend you, God, to the world in word and in deed, in the ways that we relate to one another father i pray that we would live bold lives for jesus christ 
Father, this is a time, this is a year when we need to be bold. Help us be bold, God. Help us be the family of God. When we're here together and as we go out, Father, throughout the whole week. Father, I pray right now that you would feed us by your word. Your word would be sweet to our taste. We worship you. We love you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The word of the Lord. I've been so excited to preach this sermon for months. I wrote this sermon for our whole church family months back. And since then, I, I haven't, I mean, I couldn't wait for this time because I love this psalm. This psalm speaks to our fears and it does it in an interesting, super creative, and above all, very helpful way. One of the most enduring features of the human condition is our ability to imagine disaster. We are experts at imagining disaster. Parents, you are familiar with the following conversation. Children, you're familiar with this as well. One of your children comes to you and says, mom, dad, I'm scared. And so you ask him, what are you scared of? That a spider might bite me or that they're going to make fun of me at school when I do my presentation tomorrow or that you might die and what's going to happen to me. But it's not just children that imagine disaster. I've counseled people, adults who imagine disaster for their future. Psychologists have a word for this catastrophizing. Catastrophizing is when we have an irrational thought and we begin imagining that things are going to turn out for the worst for us. So we imagine catastrophe coming after us, coming for us. So maybe you had a breakup. And so you might start having these kinds of thoughts where you think no one's ever going to love me. I'm never going to get married. I ruin every relationship and always will. Or you have children. And as you send them out into the world, you start imagining all the bad things that could happen to them. So you start keeping them with you because you want to be overprotective because you think that if they're with me, I can save them. Or you start a new job and you start thinking they're going to find out so fast that I am not as good as my resume says. <laughs> or you get into medical school and you're like, everyone here is so smart. They're going to show me the door so fast. I remember when I moved my family from Florida to North Carolina to do the PhD within two months of starting the program, I started to panic because I had never done writing and research at that level. And I had this assignment that I could not find my way through. Dan, you felt as I know, right? I, you know, I was just so lost, right? And, I, and I, I kept reading. The more I read, the more lost I was. And if you got a B plus, you got put on probation. And so I had to scrap the topic and start all over. But in the meantime, the clock was ticking. 
And so I started thinking, what have I done? I moved my whole family. What was I thinking? My poor wife, my children, I'm going to fail the program and I don't have a job and we're going to be homeless. Can you relate to me? Anyone? We imagine disasters. Some of us do it more than others. But here's one thing that I've noticed when we imagine disaster, it's always in the future and God's not there. So we imagine a godless future of total disaster, which is why it's easy for us to live in the grip of fear. As we continue this study in the Psalms built for more, we're looking at how our life groups put meat on the bones of our spiritual or church family. So if you're not in a life group, you just might be living a spiritual skeleton life, which is not a good thing. But one of the things that we do as we come together as live groups is we rehearse the favor of God. And this scripture, this Psalm today is an antidote against living in the grip of fear, but it's very clever. The reasoning that we find here, you don't find in many other places of scripture. Because you see, we all reason in certain ways to gain power, whatever kind of power that is, definitely spiritual power. What the Psalm does here in 124 is now what David did when he was going to go fight Goliath. Remember, he goes up to Saul and he tells them, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will also deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He'll be no different. So that's awesome. What David did. That is not what Psalm 124 does. You see what David did. David went back into the past. And he recalled God's past faithfulness and deliverance. And then he said, the Lord's going to do the same in the future. That's what he did. He went back to the past to things that actually happened. Deliverance from the lion, from the, from the bear. And then he extrapolated to the future. That's awesome. Psalm 124 does something different. So this is a new weapon in your arsenal. Okay. So tuck it away. What Psalm 124 does is it goes back into the past. Listen to me. And it imagines all kinds of things that could have happened, but didn't. So instead of us imagining a godless future of total disaster, Psalm 124 imagines a God filled past of disaster that never came. So different. So amazing. I mean, this is where our convictions grow because all kinds of things could have gone wrong, but they didn't. We could have fallen off to the right or to the left, but we didn't. Why? Because God was on our side and the result is trust, greater trust in God, a conviction, a certainty that God is with us. And so we have nothing to fear. Don't you want to live there? Don't you want to live there? Yes. I know I do. And so we got to get into this text and dig in because we're going to see that with God on our side, we have nothing to fear. Let's say it together with God on our side. We have nothing to fear first ponder together the favor of God. We're going to learn three things from this Psalm that we should do together in the context of our life groups. So as we get together during the week on zoom, if that's what we have to do, whatever, we're going to do these things together. First, ponder together the favor of God. Psalm 124 is a psalm of ascent. Ascent comes from the Hebrew word for going up, to go up. Because Jerusalem sat on a hill or sits on a hill. And so wherever you're coming from, you're always going up to Jerusalem. Well, this psalm, so this is a collection of psalms from 120 to 134. Those 15 psalms um, where 
part of the celebration that the Jews would have together as they went to Jerusalem and they began to sing together about God's faithfulness uh, as they went to Jerusalem for the various national holidays, uh, festivals, one of which was the Feast of Tabernacles. So these are songs, and this is a song of pilgrimage. You'll remember that the Feast of Tabernacles commemorated God's faithfulness to Israel during their 40 years in the desert. Now, with the exception of Psalm 132 in this short collection, the, the Psalms are short, which means that They're easy to memorize. And one of the beautiful things that these Psalms do for the people of God, as they are just imagine the thousands going up to Jerusalem to celebrate and singing these kinds of songs. One of the things that it helped them do was remember the favor of God together. How did it do that? Let's read again. Verse one. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, and then he starts imagining all these things, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. So Psalm 124 goes back into the past and imagines disaster that could have come, but never did. So rather than a godless future of total disaster, it imagines a God filled past of disaster that never came. Look at the key opening sentence. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, and then the leader invites everyone else to say it. It says, let Israel now say, and then they all say it together. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, the first thing we must do, if we're gonna conquer this debilitating, pervasive, paralyzing condition of imagining that bad things are coming our way, the first thing we must do and know is we must repeat that the Lord is on our side. You need to know this. You need to know that the Lord is on your side. I sit with people who start describing for me their history. And when I'm talking to someone who's either not spiritually vibrant or not spiritually alive, there's one thing that stands out conspicuous by its absence. And that is God. God's not there. It's as if God did not exist. I mean, there might've been breakups and losses and abuse. They, They went through many experiences, painful memories, difficulties and difficult relationships. And in all of that, God was not present. It's very important how you remember your past. In the book, The Seven Principles of Making for Making Marriage Work, clinical doctor John Gottman speaks about marriages that are in trouble. He talks about how when a couple is entrenched in a negative view of each other and of the marriage, they rewrite the past for the worse. How do you do that? How do you rewrite the past for the worse? He says that when you have a happy marriage, people in in these marriages, when they think back on their early days, they remember them fondly. So maybe everything didn't go well on their wedding day, but they will highlight the things that went awesome. That's what they'll focus on. That's what they'll remember, not the low points, you know, or when they went through struggles, they'll speak about those struggles as something they overcame together. They'll speak about each other with admiration. 
Okay, so that's in a happy marriage. But when a marriage is not going so well, Gottman says, two things happen. One is they remember the low points of every major event. So maybe they'll be like, you know, he, he was 30 minutes late for the rehearsal dinner, which by the way, don't do that guys. Right. Or, well, she never celebrated me when I finished my degree. So they'll focus on the negative parts of the relationship. That's one thing. The other thing that will happen is that they'll barely remember the past. The past has become so unimportant, so painful that it's faded into oblivion. So you can rewrite the past for the worse. Which is why I love one, Psalm 124. Because Psalm 124 helps us rewrite the past for the better. And it puts God right at the center. And then it, it invites us to imagine all this disaster that could have been had God not been there for us. Look at verse two. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrents would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. He begins talking about people. He says, people would have risen up against, risen up against us and they would have swallowed us up alive. Listen, the psalm writer knows that at all times, there are people rising up against God's people. Pick your book of the Bible, especially from the history books and the Old Testament from Joshua to Esther. And just about on every, in every page, you will find somebody who's angry and who's after God's people. And they could have been swallowed up alive, but they weren't. Why? Because God was on their side. Then he starts talking about waters, waters. He says, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Israel did not like the sea any more than a cat likes a bath. They farmed the land. They feared the sea. The Israelites saw the sea as mysterious and chaotic and dangerous, but they couldn't avoid it altogether. They had to fish and travel and, 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 and trade. And so they would find themselves in danger at sea. Many times Paul writes about this in his letters. We read about this also in Acts. We read about it in the Psalms. And yet, so the, the, the waters could have flooded them over, could have swallowed them, you know, could have engulfed them, but they didn't. Why? Because God was on their side. So do you see? I mean, think of what this Psalm is doing for us. It's teaching us to put God in this, at the center of our past. Oftentimes we talk about how God has to be at the center of our lives, which is true. But this is doing something different. It's telling us, no, you have to put God at the center of your past because all kinds of things happen for all of us. Things that you would not write into your story. And so we need to learn to bring God at the center of it. And then it, it invites us to imagine all kinds of disaster that could have happened, but did not. It's so easy to tell the story of our lives with us at the center. And so when things go well, such retellings feed our pride. When things go poorly, such retellings feed our insecurities. But how different our story sounds when God is at the center and how our trust grows, grows, grows as we think of the horrors that could have been, but never were. See, I was 18 years old when I moved 
to New York City. I was not a Christian, and I only knew one person in the city. All of my significant attachments in life were far away. Okay, just think with me about that for a second. Especially if you're a parent, you, you can relate to this. I mean, you have an 18-year-old goes thousands of miles away from the house. Is in this city where a lot of people get in trouble. Millions of them. I have no one that I know there. Trouble could have come into my life so fast, right? But it didn't. Because two months after I was there, God found me and brought me to himself. But I think of what could have happened. I think of what could have been. Because that's what this psalm is inviting me to do. And I want you to do this exercise later today. Think of all that could have gone wrong in your past, in your lives. So for me, if it had not been the Lord who was on my side, when beautiful women in New York came into my life, I would have given them my worship and gone from one bad relationship to the next. So real. If it had not been the Lord who was on my side, when friends with destructive habits had invited me to join them, loneliness and the fear of man would have prevailed upon me. And who knows where I'd be today. If it had not been the Lord who was on my side, when riches lured me and won in my soul, I would have found myself completely ensnared in debt, blinded by lust for the things of this world on and on the list goes. And it goes on for you as well. But you see, none of those things happened because God did find me and he came after me and he put me in the fellowship of the church, surrounded me with people who loved him and who wanted my best. And he trained me. He trained me to want him, him above all else and to live for a different kingdom and to live for a different kind of praise, the praise of Jesus Christ, who one day will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Friends, let's learn from this song. This is gold right here. This is gold. Is God at the center of your past? Can you say the Lord is on my side? Can you say that with confidence? Can you go down memory lane and think of all the things, all the disaster that could have come into your life, but didn't the missteps never taken. The relationships never started. The drugs never used. The deals never made. The illnesses never contracted. Any and many more of such things could have happened, but they never did because God was on your side. It's glorious. You see, so often we talk about our lives like we're standing on a tightrope and we might just fall to the right or to the left. And oh gosh, life, life is so perilous. That's not true for a Christian. A Christian stands on rock. As Psalm 40 taught us two weeks ago, he set my feet upon a rock. Is that how you see your life? If the Lord is on your side, there is nothing to fear. And so ponder the favor of God, ponder his favor together with those in your life group. It's a beautiful thing. And if you have regret about your past, or you're not quite sure whether God is on your side, because he's not on the side of everyone. And I have a word for you. 
in just a moment. Number two, praise God for his protection. So we gather in our groups, ponder the favor of God, but also to praise him. Praise him for his protection. Look at verse six. Blessed be the Lord who has now given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. With God on our side, we have nothing to fear. The celebration in the psalm goes on. Now he starts praising God. He says, blessed be the Lord who has not given us a spray to their teeth. Humanity could have swallowed them up alive, but God did not hand them over as prey. And he starts using this metaphor of a bird. It's an apt picture of our vulnerability as humans, our defenselessness. Our smallness. Yet with God on our side, we're not defenseless. And so we celebrate the snare is broken and we have escaped. Isn't that awesome? I mean, do you know how often we could fall into a trap. We could fall into a snare, but we don't because God's ever present hand is there to protect us. Do you know how often we go off a cliff just about, but God picks us up before we fall? Listen to these 12 things the scripture gives us 12 things that become snares, traps for us. These are things that become deadly for us can become deadly for us. Here they are. There's verses for all of them, mostly in Proverbs. False gods become a snare. The wrong alliances. Think about your friends. Evil work. People's evil schemes against us. Our own words become traps. Come on, husbands. Can I see a few hands? Yes. Yes, that's me right there. Sorry, babe. Proverbs 7, a seductive forbidden woman. I've seen so many relationships ruined because of that. A snare. Rash vows. Man, we commit ourselves to the stupidest thing sometimes. Why are you doing that again? Dishonest gain. Friendship with a person given to anger. Have you had this? I know I have. You know, you're like, wow, this is the best person in the world. And then in time, you're like, whoa, this person is dangerous. I need to run for my life. A person given to anger becomes a trap for those in their lives. Fear of man. By the way, I feel for wives uh, and children. I guess it could also be husbands who live with a spouse, with a parent who is given to anger. If that's you, let's, let's talk. Let's pray that God can help you and give you victory. The fear of man. The desire to be rich, First Timothy 6. So it's not just... Money itself it becomes a trap for us. It's the desire to have that. It's being powered by that day after day. Oh man, I just want to make more and more and more. God's word says that's going to be a trap for
for you. Then finally, God himself. God himself becomes a snare to people bent on violence and evil. Isaiah 8. Because you can't outrun God. You cannot hide from God. He will find you out in this life or the next. And so as Jesus told us, the path to life is narrow. We can fall off to the right or to the left. I mean, a man or a woman can ruin your marriage. Foolish words can ruin career prospects. Relationships with the right, wrong kind of people can corrupt your character. People who don't like you can plot against you. The desire for riches can poison our hearts and take us away from God. All of these things could happen. But for those who walk with God and know that God is on our side, the snare is broken and we have escaped. Isn't that awesome? Yes, yes. So praise him, praise him for his protection. And if things have gone well for you, listen to me. If things have gone well for you, do not think for a second that it was your smarts. Oh man, we can talk like that so easily. Well, I made this deal. Well, I got this on that exam. Well, it's like, do you know the hundreds of things that could have gone wrong with your life and God spared you and God protected you and God put you in exactly the environment that was going to preserve you and help you flourish? We can be so myopic with how we interpret our own lives. So thank God for the disaster that could have been and never came. And finally, put your trust in God. As we come together as groups, we ponder his favor. We praise him for his protection and we put our trust in him. This is what verse eight does. Look at verse eight. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, let me draw your attention to the first word of that verse eight, our, our. In every verse, did you notice? In every verse of this Psalm, there is this strong communal identity, this shared confession, this shared fellowship. It's never I, me, mine. It's us, we, our. I mean, it's everywhere. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, they would have swallowed us alive. The Lord has not given us as prey. We have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. You guys, listen, this is why live groups doing live with other Christians is such an essential demonstration of our faith of the Christian walk. Because one of the things that we're able to do as we come together is give expression to our shared identity as people of God. And in this year, when we have this new normal and who knows how much longer this is going to go, I want to implore you and ask you, that as we are less in this building, we need to be more with each other. We need to be more in each other's lives. This is not a time to isolate. So many people have taken this time of physical isolation that we've needed to do as a time for social and spiritual isolation. This is a recipe for disaster for your spiritual life and for the cause of Christ. No, one of my favorite things that we do as a group when we come together is ponder the favor of God. It's one of my favorite things as we, we know we rehearse together that God is on our side and we know that he's rewriting our past. He's protecting us in the present and he's making us confident for the future. And we do that together and we help, we help each other see that because it's so, off, it's so easy to not see God especially in the midst of hardship. And this has been a hard 
year. And so in light of Psalm 124, can I exhort you to make group life a priority? You've never been in one. Could the Lord perhaps, in light of the series we've been doing the last six weeks about our Sunday gathering and our live groups, could the Lord move in your heart and give you a conviction? You know what? I need the spiritual family and the spiritual family needs me. Could God be doing that in you? Let us know. Text us. Email us. Go online. You're an adult. You know how to get in touch with us. But let us know this. Let us know. Simply say, I need to be in a live group. Maybe you, you say that even though in the flesh and you're on your own, you would not do that. You're like, oh, my life is fine. Just here in my little quarter, my little corner of the universe. But as I read scripture, as I listen to God, I see that I need to be in spiritual family. It's okay if your desire is trailing behind. God will make up the difference. I've seen him do that again and again and again. So reach out to us. Let us know. We'll help you be in a group. And if you are already in a group or you've been in one, make it a priority. Do not lose heart. We don't do groups because it's a, it's a fad. It's a phase. Oh, let's just do this for six months and see. I've been doing groups since I was 18. I came into the church. I came into the family of God and I was taught by scripture. Hey, we are to do live with each other. So here we go. 26 years, right? And it goes on. And so would you make it a priority? We prayed for the group leaders. Would you help your group leaders? Would you be there? It's so, you know, what's so discouraging to these guys that prepare the time because they can't not show up. It's so discouraging when people just don't show up. They're just like, oh yeah, maybe I'll go. Maybe I won't. It's not how family is. Like when we sit around our table for dinner as a family, if one of the kids is missing, we're not like, well, anyway, we don't just keep eating. We're like, wait, what happened? Where is so-and-so, right? We must care for one another. And so let me implore you, make group life a priority. Well, we've been talking substantially today about disaster that could have been and never came. But I'm fully aware that there are some of you who have regret about your past. We regret choices we've made. We regret harsh words. We regret addictions and affairs that have destroyed precious relationships. We regret not being present when the children were growing up. We're not speaking up against oppression and abuse. So when you look at your life, you say disaster did come. If that's you, I want you to know that the solution, the healing that you so desperately want comes precisely in the confession that Psalm 124 verse 8 leaves us with. Our help is in the name of the Lord. The Lord is on our side. And so the question is, well, how do you know that God is on your side? How do you know that the creator of heaven and earth is on your side? Because this is the most important thing for you to know about your life. That the all powerful, all merciful God, creator of heaven and earth is on your side. So what makes God be on your side? Now, here's the thing. Most people, including Christians, would say it's their good deeds. 
I mean, they do surveys about this all the time. The answer always comes back the highest about that, even with Christians. So I don't want any of you, if you think, oh, I'm a Christian, I know this stuff. Listen to me carefully. So many people, you'd be surprised how many people are asked why they think that things should go well for them, that life should go well for them. And their answer is, because I'm a good person. You guys, here's the thing. Think about this. If you are a good person, then why do you have regret? You're such a great person. Why do you live with so much regret? As a matter of fact, it's our regret that often propels us to try to make up for it with good deeds. But it's a losing game because how do you know when you've done enough? How would you know that? How do you know that you've done enough? See, this is precisely what a man in his 50s that was dying from an illness, his body was being ravaged by cancer, asked me during one of our final visits when his mouth was quivering with fear and weakness. And he said to me, have I done enough? And I was so happy to look him straight in the eye and say, no, you have not. No, you have not. But Jesus has. And that's why we're here. That is the gospel. Do not look to yourself. Do not look at your good deeds. There's not enough to make up for your sin. I was talking to someone earlier this week who was doubting their salvation and because they don't see enough change and this and that. I said, listen, you need four words. These four words are going to save you. Look to the cross. I said, that's it. If you're doing great, look to the cross. If you're doing horribly, look to the cross. That's the only place where there is salvation. What makes God be, please be crystal clear on this. What makes God be on our side and not against us because of our sin is precisely what verse eight says. When we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord. And who is, what is the name of the Lord? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ by his life death and resurrection has brought us back to God. If we trust him, if we place our trust in him, he came, he is the son of God and he gave up his relationship. He had a pure, perfect relationship with the father his entire life. And he gave that up for us. He gave that up to take on our sin because you know what sin does to your relationship with God? It breaks it. It separates you from God. And so Jesus being perfect and pure and always one with the father, when he went to the cross and became sin for us, God could no longer be on his side. And because God could not be on his side, the hatred of man pierced him and nailed him because God could not be on his side. Jesus said in agony, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God could not be on his side. The wrath of God consumed him until he breathed his last. This is our savior. This is why we love him. He has done enough. You and I haven't. We will never do enough, but he has. And when we put our trust in him, when we say our help and salvation is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God comes to our side. God is for us forever. And he'll forgive all of our sin. He will rewrite our past. He will erase our regret. So that you do not have to look to a godless future. Eternally of total agony and disaster. 
but you can look at a God-filled, God-forgiven past, present, and future with God by your side. You can look at disaster that never came, or if it did come by the power of God, he will have reshaped that disaster for your eternal good. The snare is broken and we have escaped. So trust him, praise him with God on our side. We have nothing to fear. Let's pray. Yes, Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this beautiful Psalm, Psalm 124. Father, I pray that it will become a favorite of many here, God, that we would get good at rehearsing our past with you at the center, Lord, and all that could have been, all the disaster that could have been, but never came. Oh, it could have come so close to us and it never touched us because you are for us. You are on our side. Father, I pray that we would learn to trust you, that we would learn to say our help is in the name of the Lord, that Jesus Christ would truly be who is most important to us, that we would lift up his name above every other name. Father, I pray that we would get adept at knowing that there's so much that could have befallen us. And it never did. Because on Christ, disaster did fall. On Christ, our sin was placed. On Christ, the punishment that should have been ours, the chastisement that was ours, fell upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Father, thank you for our Savior. Thank you that because of what he went through, You will always be on our side. You are for us to love us, to comfort us, to guide us, to to discipline us, to correct us, to bring us back when we're going off a cliff. Thank you, God. Thank you that you will never leave nor forsake us. Teach us, Lord, to bow before no other name. Teach us to celebrate your name, to praise your name, God. Teach us to build our lives on the rock. Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that that knowledge would truly transform us because this is a year not for us to be timid, to be withdrawn, but to go forward in boldness into a world that's hurting, that needs you, that's confused, that's angry. Father, I pray that we would cherish spiritual life in this church family. that it be a priority for us what happens after we leave this building on Sundays. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.